Buon pomeriggio tutti. Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, and this is episode 69, Dio mio. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I am here with my partner in crime, everyone knows as Tommaso. Partner in crime? I was famous last week. Now I'm a criminal. <laughs> I just like to mix things up. Okay. <laughs> We have a different type of episode for you today, one that Tommaso thought of a month or two ago when the lottery here in the United States was up to like a gazillion dollars. It still is. Last day tonight, it's up to almost a half a billion. Now, you'd only end up getting a paltry, if you took the cash value, about 125 million or so. That's after taxes and everything. It's in your bank account. That'll be fine. I'll use my debit card, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the Mega Millions or Powerball or whatever it was here in the States uh, hit almost a billion dollars. It was, was over a billion. Oh, geez. So it was almost a month ago or so. And Tommaso thought of this idea. So here we go. We thought we should describe what an Italian dream vacation would be like if you won the lottery. The billion dollar lottery or even the half million half just, billion dollar lottery. You could, you could you could do a lot with yes <laughs> let's say just a million dollars and you could almost no, no, do this no. <laughs> almost but yeah you'd be wasting a lot of money <laughs> nothing is a waste when it comes to an italian dream trip okay okay, okay. so so we happen to have good friends that can make this lottery dream a reality and both of these friends from my sailing life and one of them is now a pilot for a private Gulfstream jet and the other is a yacht captain they both live in palma mallorca just coincidence just Isn't that funny coincidence where all good sailors go to live mm. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> what are we doing in rhode island is that what you're saying <laughs> well, you know. i spoke with them individually and uh, recorded our conversation so that you can imagine yourself reclining on the Gulf Stream, flying across the Atlantic, and, or being behind the wheel of a yacht sailing down the Amalfi Coast. I mean, this is truly luxury. Flying across the Atlantic, covered in a cashmere blanket and a doe-skin seat, and uh, on a yacht, watching Stromboli explode while you're having a nice glass of Prosecco and Aperol spritz or is the yacht captain going to arrange for Stromboli to it just, erupt? It, it seems to happen all the time. I think it's probably an LED <laughs> show they plugged in there. I guarantee you the yacht captain will find a good spot. <laughs> okay. Before you hear the details from our friends about your private flights and the private yacht charter, I want you to envision where you can go on this lottery win trip. And the options are endless. Here's just a few, or just one, let's say. After the jet picks you up, you could start your vacation by flying into Olbia Airport on the island of Sardinia. And I would arrange, obviously, for a private driver to pick you up on the runway right as the jet lands. Right? Yeah. Precision timing. The jet pulls up, the car pulls up next to it, and the trunk goes... <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Anyway, he will then drive you to the northeastern coast of Sardinia, where I will have rented a contemporary waterfront villa for you. A modern villa with those large, retractable windows. An infinity pool, of course. A large pergola for the shade. The type with those long, sheer, white linen curtains that kind of just blow with the breeze. Let the breeze in, but keep the hot sun off. You know what I'm talking about? See? (laughs) And of course, there will be lemon and lime trees dotting the property to make your gin et tonicas that much tastier. And I will also have rented a classic Alfa Romeo convertible, which will be at the villa for whenever you feel like taking a drive, a little spin down the coastline. And don't forget, each day your private chef, whom could actually be like a pasta granny or... A cl- or, or Paolo. Or Paolo. Good idea. Sorry, Paolo. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be happy to hang out in Sardinia for a month, yeah. a year, however long you want to stay. <laughs> or I was going to say they could have like a super clean living type chef. Vegan. I don't know. Okay, that's going too far. No, thank you. But whatever you'd like, they can schedule your meals around your day. Your massages under the pergola, yoga on the beach, or your daily Vespa ride to the little village for an espresso each morning. I actually forgot to mention that I'll have a Vespa at the villa. And if you win, I will be there to deliver those Vespas for you. And also show you around Olby and up through the Straits of Bonifacio. Because you're a local? (laughs) Because I've been there and I'm dying to go again. (laughs) The truth comes out. So this is just one idea. If you'd rather do a mountain retreat in the Dolomites, the jet could fly into Austria and you get down to the Dolomites from there. Or maybe you feel like a large, renovated medieval castle in Tuscany. If that tickles your fancy, then the jet would land in Florence. What am I thinking, actually? You could spend an entire year going from one place to the other to the other. However, these little, not little, this private jet that Tommaso is about to uh, explain can't go from like Olbia to Florence. They go too high. They wouldn't be able to like... No, no, they they could. It's just the fact that it's very expensive to go that little distance. I see, but this, pers- sm- this person has won a gazillion dollars. His company has... Oh, You know, people do it. I'm sorry. I would do it raising my hand here. Visual, raising hand. Oh, because we're not being eco-friendly. I get it. That's Oops. true. All right, well, this is just a dream trip episode, That's right. okay? That's right. So no one get mad it's at like me about a, that. This is like playing a video game. <laughs> You win a billion, go to Italy. Yeah. Our friends will help deliver your vacation in style, whatever you feel like doing. And don't forget, you could invite several friends, but you'll get into that in the interview with the pilot. Before Tommaso gets into these interviews, I would like to share something I've been thinking about. And that is, I know that this time of year with the upcoming holidays, especially in America, where we have two back to back, I mean, that's kind of a Bummer, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas so close to each other. Not if you like turkey and ham. (laughs) Always about food. Tommaso (laughs) is always about food. And people tend to get busy with all things Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, etc. And then after all that's over, then they start thinking about the spring or summer vacation that they want to take. And I'm saying this because this past February, February of 2022, All of a sudden, after the long two years of COVID, 
this past February, all of a sudden I had so many people getting in touch, wanting to go everywhere and anywhere in the spring and the summer. It wasn't that difficult to find availability because, as I just mentioned, no one was really traveling because of COVID. But from what I'm seeing already, I think that the spring of 2023 and the summer as well, I already know this, will be more crowded than it was this past spring. So it's just an idea. If you think you want to go, whether you plan it yourself or engage a travel planner like myself, start thinking about it or just at least get accommodations before Christmas. You can always cancel them, but just do that much and then the rest can fall into place after your holidays. And that's my 2023 travel tip for now. Well, you've already seen some places that you've looked at for people that are booked up. That's why I'm saying this now. Yes. Alora, pretend you won the billion dollar lottery and listen carefully to what your Italian dream trip could be like. And if you do happen to win that billion-dollar lottery, the email is Tommaso <laughs> at Kimberly's Italy. It's not. It's Tom at Kimberly'sItaly.com. I will. We should change it. I will. I've got Tommaso in there, too. I control the email server also. <laughs> okay. Va bene. Take Ready it to away. Go. Take it away, Tommaso. Okay. We'll jump into my interview with my friend Chris Godfrey, the Gulfstream pilot from Palma, Mallorca. Welcoming uh, Chris Godfrey, my great friend from uh, 20 plus years. Chris, welcome to Kimberly's Italy. Thanks for having me. Just a little background of Chris. Uh, He's now a private jet pilot, but he's always been a pilot of vessels, so to speak. He was a captain of a a yacht that I raced on. And before that, he was a crew member. And Chris and I, in this 20 years, have had a tremendous amount of sailing success. We have won several regattas in the Caribbean together, including Antigua Race Week. We won the North American Championship for the Swans in 2000 and uh, the early 2000s. We were second in the worlds in Puerto Trevo, Sardinia, and we crushed the class in a Bermuda race. That's oh, yeah. also together. We did. I remember that one. That was so good. Chris and I have had a, a global experience, so to speak. So Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to come on board and tell us a little bit about private jet travel. Happy to do that. So the goal here is to give our listeners what the experience is like, because there was a wonderful uh, billion dollar mega millions, you know, and the cash outlay of that, if you took the cash, was $412 million. So in a fantasy world, right, what would the ultimate Italian vacation be like? Now, granted all the carbon offsets and all that stuff, let's forget about that. Let's let's believe we're talking about a movie. So how do you get from the United States or wherever you are to Italy on a private jet? What's it like? Give me an idea of, of, of what the private jet experience is like. So I've won the money. I've got this pile of cash in my living room now, stacked up in $100 bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we go about, before I get into that, why don't you give me an idea of what your jet's like? Not your jet, but you're the pilot of it. Okay, so I'm flying on the G7, G500, which is the kind of new generation of Gulfstream jets. Um, uh, they basically replaced the 550s and the 450s. So the, the aircraft have been in operation for about three years now, actually, production. Um, and they are kind of the leading cutting edge of, of, of aviation. So super fuel efficient, uh, very, very quiet cabins uh, in terms of, um, you know, technical avionics stuff, they're state-of-the-art and kind of future-proofed. And, 
they go for about you know the, the jet that we're flying is about fifty million dollars uh, list price, and you pay roughly at the, on the charter market, you pay roughly ten thousand euros an hour to to fly this plane. So to fly this plane. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's. I don't want to say it's it's the best you can get, but it's definitely in the top five percent. Oh yes, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. And what's the range of this jet? We can fly for ten hours on on the version that we have, which is it's actually the smaller version of the G seven. The bigger version, I guess, you can get probably thirteen hours out of it. So comfortably, you can you can definitely fly from definitely fly from the east coast to to anywhere in Italy uh, on our version. And if you were on the slightly on the G six hundred, which is the bigger brother of the G seven series, you could easily fly from anywhere in the US to to anywhere in Italy without a stop. I've got my pile of money, and I decide I want a private jet. How do I go about booking this jet? You can't just sort of uh, you know, well, get online and book it. You can't. I mean, you you can actually do that in some in some instances, but usually you you contact a broker um, yep. either through recommendations, or you can just Google the nearest broker to you, or you can contact uh, one of the main brokerages. For example, Jet Aviation is the broker that we are using um, to sell our aircraft. That's a big brokerage. It's a big, actually, it's a management company that's owned by General Dynamics. So it's, a, it's actually an American company. You can go online and uh, contact somebody in this in their charter department, and they will take down your requirements. Um, and then you'll be able to look at the options that they present, and you'll be in business. And hopefully, you know, one of uh, one of those options would be us if we were available. <laughs> So you said you take down your requirements. What do you mean by requirements? Is there food and wine and can you get whatever you want? Well, I mean, one of the cool things, or the main thing about private jets is that you can customize everything. So, you know, at the most basic level, you don't have to drive to Boston, in your case, to get on the plane. Right. You can go from Providence or, or, or Quonset, right, yeah, right across if here. An, if there's another airport which has a CBP officer that can clear you out of the US, you can fly from there. I mean, and, and you know, following from that, you can fly whenever you want. I mean, you don't have to go by any schedule. You can set the departure time. So, you know, those two things are the real main benefits. And obviously, at the other end, you can go anywhere in Italy that can accept right. this aircraft um, in terms of runway lengths and you know, the ability to clear customs. So that that's, you know, really the most powerful part of flying private. And that's what people are actually paying for. In terms of the in-flight experience, I mean, to be completely honest with you, it's probably, you know, a good first-class service on an airline is probably similar to what we provide. I'm not going to lie. I don't think that's the the real benefit of flying private. We, of course, can customize every element of, of the in-flight experience in terms of catering, in-flight entertainment, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to have in the plane, we can provide it. If you want to have, you know, sushi from Nobu, we can get it. If you want to have Don Perignon, <laughs> we can get it. You know, whatever you want to have. If you want to have your own chef uh, provide the food, we can do that too. Uh, standard catering for a flight, let's say transatlantic, we budget about four hundred dollars per pa- per passenger, which sounds like a lot, but we have to use you know private aviation catering suppliers, and they're quite expensive. But you know, you would get two meals, and there's obviously a free open bar. Uh, a standard champagne is you know fifteen 
$50 kind of verve sort of stuff. If you want to have Don Perignon, you pay a bit extra. So yeah, the budget, let's say it's 400 bucks per person. Anything over that, you pay the difference, but we can do literally anything that you want. Now, I'd like to just tie back into a bit of history on that. After winning Antigua, three of us from the crew were flown home in a private jet from Antigua to New York to Teterboro. And um, our friend Frank was the um, owner of the, of, the, of the yacht. I remember Kevin, the bow man, getting on board. <laughs> and they asked us what we wanted to drink. And Kevin, Kevin said, you have any bud? And they had bud. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so he was, he was so happy that they had bud. And we landed in yeah. West Palm Beach to clear customs, and we had sushi brought on board, which was just what you just talked about, which was really, really nice. Yeah, I think- The I last think, time I had a chance to fly private. You know, to get the most out of the experience, I think you have to communicate um, what you think you would like, because obviously, we, you know, we don't carry all the different types of you know, beer, for example, because there's a limited amount of space. But if you communicate in advance what you want, then that's the best way to get the most out of the experience. And every private jet operator is more than used to accommodating all sorts of requests. So, you know, don't all hold sorts back. of requests. No, I think I really it's true though, <laughs> but don't don't hold back in, in, in specifying what you what you want to have. Because, you know, right. we are not telepathic and we, obviously you'll get a preference sheet when you make the booking. But you know, really I would encourage anyone that's gonna fly private to make sure that they really specify what they think they might have in order to avoid disappointment and we, we do get this there must be this type of gin and it has to have this type of tonic and it must be served like this and don't speak to the passenger and you know it's whatever you can think of we can accommodate <laughs> <laughs> you say we how big is the crew on the private jet uh we have a captain a first officer and a flight attendant and how many people can can be accommodated we have 13 seats on the plane um but again to get the best out of it you wouldn't want to fill it up I would say, you know, typically a flight from the U.S. to Europe would be an overnight flight. Mm-hmm. So in terms of bedding, we have one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven sleeping places. Seven would be yep. the absolute maximum that I would recommend on a 13-seat aircraft to go transatlantic for sleeping arrangements. I would say five is the optimal number because then you can okay. each have a bed, but you can keep the conference table, you know, as it is without turning that into a bed. It can get a and little there- crowded, you know, if, if you're not careful. I think you've got to, I would say five passengers is a, is a good number for a 13, you know, seat aircraft. For overnight flight. Yeah, for an overnight flight, yeah. And so what about the entertainment systems? Are we going to have internet? How are we entertained across besides having great gin and great champagne? <laughs> well, again, we, <laughs> we can get whatever movies you want to have. We have a selection of movies, about 50 or so, I mean, what happens, what tends to happen today is a lot of people bring their own iPads with their own media. Right. This is really, honestly, I can tell you that nine out of 10 passengers are not interested in the, actually in the in-flight entertainment system. Lots of people want, like, well, they want to use the internet. So there are two types of internet available on a private jet. We have Swift broadband, which is a kind of fairly slow uh, internet, but you can make a WhatsApp call on it, no problem, but you couldn't stream any kind of movie. Uh, we charge right. $8 a megabyte for that. That is an extra cost. Uh, that can be requested. Yeah, and some people spend crazy money on uh, on internet. You know, we get, sometimes we have bills of close to $10,000. <laughs> people don't even think about it for just for the use of the internet on a, you know, on a transatlantic flight or on a, yeah, whatever, eight-hour flight. 
No, no, I can go back to, you said $8 a megabyte, which resonates to me because that's what we were getting at sea when you're downloading weather charts. You're, it's about 12, eight to 12 bucks a megabyte. Um, yeah. And I've burned through a lot, a lot of megabytes. It's actually the system that we have on the plane is exactly the same system that we have on the boss's boat. So right. it's, it's not really state of the art. I mean, there are internet systems available. KA band is the new, is the state of the art system that's, that most, most of these planes have on them. But you, know, you pay $30,000 a month flat rate for this internet. Right. It is like having, it's like having fiber optic internet. I mean, you can stream on six devices simultaneously at 45,000 feet doing 90% of the speed of sound. This is amazing stuff, but it's obviously very expensive. And, right, and for, right. for us as a commercial operator, it just doesn't make sense to, to carry that fixed cost every month. So the logistics here, how do we arrive for the flight? How far in advance for an international flight? Do we have to be there for four hours in advance? No, no. Have our bags checked? No, no, no. You can turn up half an hour before takeoff um, at your airport of choice. 99% of airports have a dedicated private aviation handling area. So it's a separate terminal. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go anywhere near the main terminal. For example, in the U.S., you can be through the terminal in two minutes, not even. There's very little security in the States for private aviation. You literally walk through. In Europe, it can take a bit longer. But, yeah, half an hour before departure at the airport is, is kind of standard time. And then, you know, you'll go through security, do immigration if you need to, be taken out to the aircraft. And normally within five minutes of the door closing, the aircraft will be taxiing. And the door will close two minutes after you step on board maximum. So there's, this is really where the, the saving comes in. It's the actual you know, transition through the airport, which everybody hates. I mean, commercial airline flying is, is okay, but it's the, it's the bit at either end that really upsets people. And you don't right. have to deal with that when you fly private. Some airports are better than others, but generally no more than half an hour from arriving at the airport to taking off. Okay, so I've arrived at the airport. We've taken off. I'm having a glass of champagne. I'm sitting there watching a movie on my iPad. How high do the, these plates fly? Because I've noticed on FlightAware, so some planes are at 46,000 feet or something like that, 47,000 feet, where a lot of commercial airlines are 37, 38,000. Sure, exactly. Is it smoother up there? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's exactly right. We, we fly normally not less than 43,000 feet, certainly not less than 41,000 feet. And up to standard 47,000 feet, we can go higher, but it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, you're above you, well, the two things. You're above all the other traffic, which means you get normally more direct routing. And secondly, you're right. above all the weather. There is very rarely weather at 45,000 feet. Okay, if you're going across the, the equator, you're going to get some of these big CBs punching up to 45,000 feet. But uh, in most of the world, it's, it's rare to see clouds at that level. So, yeah, it's, wow. uh, you know, one of the things that I'm most grateful for is the fact that we fly at those levels because I look down and sometimes there's a lot of stuff down there and the airliners have to, you know, weave their way through it. And it's, it's a lot of work. So, yeah, it's great. Generally speaking, it, it, will yeah. be, it will be smoother. Of course, you can get some clear air turbulence. That's possible at any level. But most of the time, it's smooth flying. Can you see the curvature of the earth from that high? Uh, well, I... I'm not sure. I don't, maybe, but I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think you can. I okay. think you need to be about, to really be able to see it, you, I think you need to be at sort of Concorde kind of levels, like 60,000 feet. Okay. 
All right, fair enough. So now we're flying across the Atlantic. We're bedded down. We've woken up. You're informing everyone. We've got an hour or so. You come across, obviously, with an announcement or the and tell them, you know, we're going to be landing soon. What happens when the private jet lands? How easy is it to clear immigration on the other side in a foreign country, say Italy? Yeah, it should be um, very fast. I mean, again, you land, you stop, the door opens, you walk out. I mean, there's no, <laughs> it's, it's really that simple. And, and then we'll, we'll take the bags, we'll, we'll deal with the baggage, you'll go into the terminal. Uh, if there's any immigration to do, then that, that normally happens very quickly. And you'll get your bags right. you know, a couple of minutes later. And um, normally you've got onward transportation organized. So you'll be in the right. taxi and you should be able to be through, the, especially in Italy. I mean, it shouldn't take more than 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes from the aircraft stopping to you being in your transportation to take you to your next point. I'm never going to miss a lottery ticket play <laughs> in the future, just so I can potentially. No, um, it's, it's really, anything? the difference is, is huge. I mean, you can't underestimate how nice it is not to deal with, you know, either end of, and even as a pilot, you know, it's just so nice to just go to the airport, get through the terminal in no time and be in the plane. It's great. Right. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> so Chris talked about our experience in sailing together and our friendship of all these years. And you were a great sailor. You sailed around the world. Give me an idea of what the transition was and how you became a private pilot. Okay. Well, it's, it's kind of a good story. and It's pretty unusual. There's not many people that did it like this. Although there are lots of guys flying who used to be sailors. So I was um, working for the, the same guy that I work for now as his yacht captain. And we had completed um, the circumnavigation on his sailboat. And I told him, you know what? I think I'm, I'm going to quit sailing. I mean, I was 37, I think, 36. I'm going to quit sailing and I'm going to do something else. I want to have another career. I've been sailing for 15 odd years. I'd like to try something else. And so he immediately said, right, okay, then why don't you become a pilot? And of course, you know, all boys have thought of becoming a pilot at some stage in their lives, including me. You know, he said... I need some more pilots. I need a good guy who can manage the operation. I'm willing to pay for you to be trained as a pilot uh, in exchange for you committing to work as a pilot and a you know manager for a certain amount of years, which was seven actually. So that's how it happened. He he financed my my flight training in the UK, which I completed in about a year and a half, and then he put me into. I started on the CJ, which we have, which is a small six seater airplane. Uh, I started flying that as my first aircraft, and then I moved on to Citation 10 after three years, two or three years, and I flew that for four years, and now I'm on the Gulfstream. So, yeah, he ba- he completely bankrolled me, and I'm extremely fortunate to have had that opportunity. That's how it happened. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Well, I, I could actually see why he did that because of our, our relationship and our background in sailing, and you were always extremely organized. There was never an issue with anything. And no matter if it was with the owner we sailed with, Frank, or with the charter we did, which was almost the charter from hell, but it turned out to be okay in the end. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, that's what, that's what matters. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thanks for giving me an overview of what this is like. Having done this a couple of times in my life, I can I can sort of visualize a lot of the things you're saying, you know, because I've been able to fly three times privately in my life, but by the generosity of people uh, who I've raced with, I can only imagine what it's like to do it on a regular basis. Yeah, I think for these guys, it's 
it's just freedom, isn't it? It's, it's absolute freedom from from any of the normal things that constrain people in the way that they move around the world. If you if you have the ability to put private aircraft and have the resources, then you know you can go anywhere you want tomorrow. I mean, that's that's the coolest thing about it. So yeah, it's a privilege. Thank you very much, and we hope to see you in Palma, Mallorca very shortly. I hope so too, TC. Looking forward to it. All right, my friend. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. Tommaso, that was awesome. I have never been on a private jet, but I was for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Felt great. <Yes>. Can't wait. <laughs> because maybe those of you that win the billion dollars, you want to take us. Just for like your private travel planner. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So thank you. I can't wait for that private jet. I'll sit in the back. It's no problem. I'll take the smallest reclining seat. No, no. The, the back is where the beds are. The big oh, beds. okay. I'll take the back. There's generally <laughs> like a, a nice bed back there. <laughs> what do I know? Anyway, how about next week, next Miracle Day, next Wednesday, when we have our podcast launches now, you all can listen to Clive, the private yacht captain that Tom spoke with earlier. We're going to take a little sail off the coast of Amalfi. A little sail. Yeah. A long, luxurious sail. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Grazie mille tutti. And a big thank you to Marnie, who left a very sweet review on Apple Podcasts. Grazie mille tutti. Uh, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.